Before we get started on this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef, I wanted to read another email from a listener. Hey Chef, I thought I'd reach out and give you an update on what's going on here in Boston. My name is Karen Nance and I'm the executive chef at Lower Mills Tavern in Dorchester, a neighborhood in South Boston. It's hard to pinpoint exactly when it happened, but after all the press conferences from the mayor and then the governor the following day, we went from minimal capacity to no dining room in a matter of hours. It's heartbreaking for me to try and explain to anyone not in the industry because they've never been faced with this choice, stay or go. I've been cooking for as long as I can remember. My first line cook job, I was only 15 years old and grilling steaks. I haven't let go of this industry yet and I refuse to let go now. I had to have a staff meeting to basically let go every single member of my kitchen staff with the promise that I would do everything in my power to keep this kitchen alive so that they have a home to come back to. We've gone down to our salaried managers and myself and my amazing sous chef are rotating through the shifts and executing takeout and pickup only service seven nights a week. We are cleaning the entire kitchen from top to bottom, cleaning the deep fryers every day before service, and prepping our entire limited menu ourselves with seven people on staff in the entire restaurant, and we are trying to keep this alive. I listened to your Strange New World episode and felt as though I was doing something wrong by fighting for this love of mine. I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this restaurant. I have overcome so much to try and keep this thing working, and having these windows open for people to keep enjoying the neighborhood food they've loved so much for so long. It brings me peace in an otherwise upside-down world. I'm doing this for me, my Sue, my front of house managers. I'm also doing this for my dishwashers, my line cooks, and prep cooks, because these people are my family. I'm doing it for them so they can have a fighting chance to come back to something to be proud of. Yes, I'm exhausted. I barely sleep. And on top of it, I'm a mom homeschooling before dinner service and making people as happy as they can be by bringing them a little love from my kitchen to their homes. They can remember what it's like to be a little human, to feel like the world isn't closing in on them. I'm doing everything I possibly can to self-isolate in the best way possible, cooking, feeding, safely. I am very lucky to still be in the position of being able to serve food, to serve love, and I am so very sorry to all of my fellow chefs like yourself who don't have the ability to be who we were meant to be. I'm hoping that day by day we get steps closer to being able to touch the lives of everyone that comes into our restaurants once more. I'm fighting the good fight. I have to. Cheers, Sarah. If you are in Boston and you are able to, please reach out to the Lower Mills Tavern and order from them. They are fighting to keep their business alive, doing takeout, and they're doing it safely. And she's also fighting for every single one of her cooks. They are located at 2269 Dorchester Avenue in Boston, and you can get all of their info by checking out their restaurant, LowerMillsTavern.com. And now, on with the show. This episode of Let's Talk About Chef comes at a strange and difficult time for everyone. I am very aware of the fact that there are cooks and chefs and that there are people all over the world fighting for the survival of their business and fighting for their lives. That in a lot of places, the only option that you have is to stay open by offering takeout or delivery or porch pickup. And if you can, please order from those places. They are in most cases paying their employees with the money they make from it and doing whatever they can to survive. I sincerely hope that wherever you are in the world that you are safe and that you are healthy. As the numbers from this virus rise and rise, it starts to feel like this will never end, but it will, eventually. I am begging you to, if you can, please stay inside, self-isolate, don't go out. It's really the only way that we can beat this thing, and I think that I can say for everyone that we want nothing but to beat it. It's strange to think that only a few weeks ago life was normal and life was regular. All of that has changed. 
do your part and please don't add to the curve. If you want to write into the show, please email me at letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram and DM me at Chef Brian Clark. That's enough from me. Let's get right into this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. For the last several nights, I've been having the same dream. I'm standing in front of the restaurant I used to eat at in Paris in the Latin Quarter when I was in my early 20s. I used to go there for breakfast, eating an omelette and drinking coffee and smoking until my friends came to meet me. Breakfast, more often than not, would turn into lunch and then sometimes turned into dinner. The ashtray would get more and more full, the wine would start flowing, and I wouldn't leave. I would sit there and listen to the sounds. Listen to the world and listen to the conversations around me that I was slowly starting to understand the more time I spent in the city. Fred's would come and sit with me and we would laugh and talk and add our own noise to the low roar of diners that makes up the sounds of the evening in that city. Thomas would sit with his girlfriend before they walked off into the evening to stand on Point Neuf and fall more in love. Nikki would come from medical school. Sebastian would sit and talk about cycling. In my dream, I stand there at the door and it's busy. I can hear the sounds of talking. I can hear the plates and the cutlery, the music in the background, the waiters taking orders, the smell of the food, the heavy cream, the butter, the duck fat, the bone marrow, the clatter coming from the small kitchen. I can hear everything and it feels welcome. It feels warm and it feels normal. Then I realize that in my dream, the restaurant's empty. There's no one inside, there's no one on the street, but I can still hear the sounds. I can hear it, but there's no one there. And then I wake up. Today on Let's Talk About Chef, we are reviewing the sounds of restaurants. Restaurants have been around for around 255 years. The first one opened in Paris in 1765, and it was opened by a Parisian named Boulanger. His restaurant served restorative broths and one singular dish, which was sheep's feet simmered in a white sauce. The French word for restorative is restaurant, and Boulanger had a motto for his, and it was, Come to me, all who suffer from pain of the stomach, and I will restore you. If you weren't aware, that is a play on a Bible verse where Jesus said to Matthew, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Boulanger apparently possessed not only the world's first proper restaurant, but he also maintained the God complex that some chefs and restaurateurs are known for. 
Now, you would think that with the dining public of France, which I'm not sorry to say kind of mastered the art of restaurants shortly after, they would have been clamoring to open their own bistros and restaurants, but pretty much the exact opposite happened. As a few more restaurants opened copying boulangers, the traiteurs or caterers who cooked food for Parisians who didn't have kitchens in their apartments took Boulanger to court and tried to sue him for his invention. They lost, and Boulanger's legacy was secured forever. The traiteurs lived on too, though. Traiteur was borrowed into Italian and became the word trattoria, or the Italian word for restaurant. There's a painting that exists called The Corner of the Rue Ballou and the Rue Jean Tinson, 1831, by Thomas Schotter Boys, where he painted the restaurant Boulanger. You can see what it looked like, the bluish-purple banner and a man wearing a white hat leaning against the door. You can't see what's going on inside that building, but one can assume that the sounds would be similar to what we can expect in a restaurant today. People talking and laughing, people ordering food, and eating and drinking and being happy. It's, it's comforting to think that the sound of restaurants haven't changed much in the 255 years that they've been around, and that they always, and have always, sounded similar. I don't remember when I fell in love with the sound of restaurants. I don't remember because for as long as I can remember, I've loved them. When I was a child, we would go to this small Italian place in Waterloo called Casa Rigatoni. My parents, my two sisters, and I would sit at the white-covered table in this red sauce joint that was kind of a perfect hole in the wall. The candle in the table was stuck into a twine-covered bottle of wine. The bread came in a basket with red and white squares on it. The music was Italian, stereotypical Italian. I vividly remember going there after seeing the movie Titanic with my family, so I would have been about ten years old. There was a sign over the wooden door that led to the kitchen that said, Good food takes time. I remember being sad about the movie. I remember thinking that Kate Winslet's breasts were really enticing to me, and I remember eating pizza and laughing and getting lost in the sounds of the Italian owner who would waltz around the small dining room and laugh and talk. She would pour more and more wine out of the bottles on the tables in the small, candlelit, cramped space. As a child, being in a place that so very clearly was meant for adults made me feel special. It made me feel like there was a club that although I wasn't in and wasn't fully invited to join yet, maybe one day I could. And maybe that was when it happened. Years later as a chef, I learned to love the sound of a full restaurant because it meant that we were busy. There isn't a chef alive today that doesn't love the sound of a full restaurant. The cacophony of drinking and music and happy people makes its way back into the kitchen and we soak it in like sunshine. If you've ever seen a chef sliding out of his kitchen and looking around a full restaurant of people, they aren't just looking at it, we're listening to it. Taking a hit from the elusive drug that is a good dinner service and saturating ourselves with the noise of happiness. After the shift is over, most chefs sit at the bar. We sit there and we listen and we don't usually talk. For me, sitting in a full restaurant at the end of a busy night and having a Guinness is something that I look forward to more than most other things in my life. To prove to you that the sound of a restaurant is important, just remember if you've ever eaten in one that happened to be empty, it feels strange and it feels sad. It feels like staring at the world through our phones right now and seeing places like Rome or New York, places that if you have been there felt alive and full and now they're dead. It doesn't feel real. I guess the world kind of feels like an empty restaurant right now. 
When Germany invaded France in World War II, the restaurants and cafes and bars didn't close. There are pictures you can see of famous restaurants like Maxime's in the city sporting swastikas above the doors and members of the German High Command enjoying a meal. And there's something chilling and odd when you see a Nazi eating in a restaurant enjoying the simple pleasures of an omelette or a glass of wine surrounded by others. German soldiers during the occupation of Paris even had leaflets and tourist maps so they could walk around and enjoy themselves. And those maps also featured which restaurants and cafes were off-limits to them because they were reserved for actual Parisians. The people of Paris were willing to live in a city occupied by Hitler, but they weren't willing to give up their restaurants. There were French restaurants full of German soldiers, and then right next door there would be French restaurants full of French people, drinking and eating the night away celebrating that they were alive, and that life was going on, and that life meant something. There is a town in North Ontario The idea and the concept that the sounds of a restaurant are not going on anywhere in the world right now is something that I have to admit is by far the most horrible thing I can think of. Not just because restaurants are closing, and not just because 70% of independent restaurants won't be able to make it through this crisis. It's because we as human beings have had to lose so much so many times, and for the first time in 255 years, we can't gather together and eat and celebrate life. The sounds of restaurants can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Right now, around the world, there are no sounds like the one you're hearing. There are no clinking glasses, no laughter, no muffled conversations, no birthdays, no anniversaries, no joy, no first or second dates, no falling in love, and no hospitality. When all of this started a few weeks ago, I never thought that I would miss the sound of a restaurant. I never thought that I would lie awake at night after waking up again from the dream of standing in front of that restaurant in Paris and stare at the ceiling and wish all of this was over. For the last few days, that dream has kept me from wanting to fall asleep. It's kept me from wanting to risk the chance that I will wake up sad, and it has kept me from wanting to go to bed at all. But now, weeks after it started, I can't wait to go to bed. I can't wait for sleep and the chance to hear that sound that I'm craving, and that we are all craving so badly right now. And I've come to realize that the sound of a restaurant isn't really just the sound of a restaurant. It's the sound of humanity. When I close my eyes and I go back to standing in front of that place in Paris and then wake up after hearing the sound that doesn't exist anymore, and the sound that I long for, and the sound that I cannot wait to hear again, I lie there and realize that I was meant to be a chef. 
I was meant to feed people and to serve people. We were all meant to bring happiness and to the best of our ability do whatever we could to make others happy. Bartenders, servers, dishwashers, and cooks are all junkies. We crave the impossible night. We crave the impossible dream of a perfect service. We problem solve. We survive. We press on. And right now, even though we've been stopped, and we've been stopped by an invisible enemy, we sit here and we wait and we fight and we wait to begin again. For the first time in 255 years, the restaurants are closed. For the first time since they were invented by an ego-driven Parisian who thought he was Jesus, the restaurants are silent. We're hanging on, waiting to go back. The lights are out. The chip machine is not chattering away. And the open signs are turned off. For now. But we'll be back. I'm giving the sound of restaurants five stars. <laughs>